Greetings, everyone. It is now time for Marked Safe. Tales of your very favorite and most beloved disasters. On Mark Safe, we discuss events and details that some may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Please listen responsibly and stay safe. And now, here with your hosts, Brianne and Melanie, this is Mark Safe. So. I think this is going to be the earliest content warning I've ever needed to put in an episode. Yeah. I'm going to follow your lead on this one. Okay. So as I tell you guys sometimes, if you have any concern about your ability to hear anything at all, go check the content warnings. It will be the very first one. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know how to talk about this other than just to get right into it. I don't. I don't know. So at the end of our last episode, I think that maybe during disaster relief, we had talked about the um, 3D gender ultrasound we were going to do a day or two later. Did we discuss that? I feel like we did. I thought we did. I think we did. Either way, that's what was going to happen. So we went and we did that and um, they didn't see a heartbeat. So they sent us to the ER. Um, we dropped Adelaide off with my ever supportive, ever available, ever, ever helpful mother and headed to the ER where they confirmed that the baby was not alive anymore. So um, I had an appointment a couple days later to discuss options as far as, you know, the rest. And while I was there, my blood pressure was apparently in stroke ranges and they sent me directly to labor and delivery to be induced on the 9th, which, what was that? Thursday? Thursday. No. Yeah. They, they sent me to be induced on the 9th at um, 15 and a half weeks. And after about six hours, my baby boy was born. Um, his name is Irving sweet beeps and I got to spend about an hour with him and um, I mean that's that that's pretty much what there is to say about that um, I was I, I don't I don't I don't know how much to say I, I don't know who I feel like we have a lot of um, people who are either parents or morbid people who may right. want to know. But, you know, if you don't, skip a couple minutes. I had the option to either have a D&E or a labor. And for various reasons, I picked the labor option. But then I had to have two DNCs in the next 12 hours after that and uh, did a little bit of hemorrhaging. Yeah. <laughs> as, as, as per my use. So scary. <laughs> yeah. I hemorrhage like I'm getting paid to do it. <laughs> and. Yeah, it has been almost a week now, and um, here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Sorry to ruin your no, episode. No, at the very no, beginning. no, no. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do that. Um, so we're gonna take the rest of December off. Yeah. After this one, so we'll, we're gonna sit out two episodes and uh, 
take a minute. Not too many minutes because I love being here. Yeah. Um, but we're going to take a minute. And uh, yeah, we'll be back in the beginning of January. I love you so much, Brianna. I'm, I am. My heart is broken for you. Um, we were just able to, again, thanks to my mom, um, sort out what is going to become of Irving this morning. He will be buried um, in a part of a cemetery for kind of this, this specific kind of situation. That was a little bit up in the air for a while what was going to happen, where it was going to happen, what was allowed to happen. Um, and we finally got that sorted out, and I do feel a lot better about that. Yes. We got that sorted out when we were supposed to be recording. He needs a place. Um, he needs a place. He needs – he does. I just – I have absolutely no I, – I can't stress enough how personal that decision is, and I I could not judge anyone less for, you know, whether they wanted – do a DNA or, um, you know, meet the baby or not meet the baby or do some sort of ceremony or funeral or cremation or let the hospital handle it. It's so personal. I mean, I always would have assumed it was personal, but now that I've been through it, holy shit, it is so personal. Right. But I was very bothered by the hospital handling it. It just didn't, it didn't feel right for me. But that was initially the plan because it was just, I was very overwhelmed. It was very unclear what the other options were, really. Um, and then once he had been delivered, I had seven days to change my mind. Which and doesn't I, seem like a whole lot. I mean, I guess it's better than none. Right. You know, I could just be, you know, make your choice. That's that. But I had seven days and I was, you know, very in very rough shape physically for a while. You know, I had to go under general anesthesia for the DNCs, get intubated, the whole deal. And, you know, I was just not really thriving, again, hemorrhaging like it's my professional level job to do so. And then got home and was just obviously in kind of a cloud. And I was just not, I was very overwhelmed by trying to sort out what was what. Right. And my mom kind of came through in the nick of time on that one. So we have a plan now that I feel a lot better about than I did before and um here we are here we are here we are there's not enough fucking bat dresses in the world no there definitely is not no i'm gonna wallpaper my house in bats. <laughs> <laughs> oh i wish i could fucking hug you god bless it it i oh, i don't want to get too mushy because i'll cry but i do just want to say that my friends and family <laughs> have been fucking stellar <laughs> they have including you they have come through i mean i guess i would have thought that like i didn't think they sucked but <laughs> they have come through on a level i never could have seen coming and i especially in the first few days was very fucking weird as far as what i wanted and needed mm -hmm. i i didn't like when I was at the hospital, everybody was, you know, touching my arm very softly and speaking very quietly and calling me sweetie. Tiptoeing. Tiptoeing, which is what you do. I mean, that's what I would do right. if I were in that situation, but it is not what I needed. <laughs> like for the first couple days um, after I knew, but before I delivered, it was all gallows humor all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was, it was not, I, I was, it was killing me, the whole tiptoeing thing. And, you know, after that, 
I I had some decisions to make. And I mean, if you know, or God, I hope nobody has, but if you've experienced anything like this, I mean, the decisions that you need to make at the stage of things are heavy. And I don't just mean emotionally heavy. I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of gory. They're, they're awful. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I, I can't imagine how alone I would have felt if I had to go to these horrible places in my mind and think these things and make these decisions and weigh these fucking nightmarish factors mm-hmm. without having anyone who could stomach talking it through with me. Right. And man, did people. <laughs> I, I mean, even the most just kind of generally sensitive, even, you know, a bit more squeamish people in my life, they, they looked it right in the eye without flinching. And, uh, we love you. I, so I much. can't say enough about that. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what all to say, how long to say it. The last point that I want to make about that is that I remember thinking in the first couple days that, I mean, obviously I've experienced grief before plenty of times, mm-hmm. but I remember pretty specifically thinking that I had two concerns and one of them was when can I like laugh again (laughs) and not seem like an asshole? Like when can I be okay for a minute and not, you know, have to have to wear it on my sleeve every minute. And when, when can I have a light moment without seeming like an asshole? And the other thing that I was equally concerned about is like, how long am I allowed to grieve? Like, I know that everybody is going to be all mobilized and, you know, ready to listen and checking in 15 times a day for the first week or two. But this is not going to be over in a week or two. <laughs> as long as you fucking need Brienne. I mean, I know. I know. As- like, of course. But it's like, you know, at the same time, it was just like, how long until I can be normal sometimes? Right. And how long do I get to not be normal? And like those things are opposite, but not because that's how grief works. Right. And I, I just remember at the time thinking I need to file that away for the next time somebody that I know or love has a major loss because I bet I'm not the only one who feels both of those things. Right. Yeah. So I would move fucking mountains for you and I don't care how long it takes. Like, I'm not. I'm not going Would anywhere. you like to talk about when you called my, my charge nurse and yelled? <laughs> <laughs> you have anything to say about that? No. <laughs> oh, no, you do. <laughs> when I was in the hospital after the 3D place, it was not time to be induced or anything yet. I was just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for them to confirm what I already knew. And I was starving because I had never eaten dinner. I hadn't eaten in a very long time. And... um. I was thinking back to our Waffle Houses episode and how they're just like a portal into the surreal in the middle of the night. Yes. And I was like, I'm going to have to go to a Waffle House after this. It's all that's going to be open. And I mean, what what the fuck else do you do on a night like this? And man, you did not let go of that. I wanted. <laughs> you tried to bring the Waffle House to me. I tried everything I could to get some Waffle House to you. Yes. I still you owe did. you Waffle House. It will happen. So you're messaging me and you're like, do you want pancakes? Tell me. I will 
get you pancakes. You will have pancakes. And you are like, you have figured out what hospital I'm at. I don't even remember how. I don't know that I told you what hospital I was at. You figured out what hospital I'm at. And there were like a bunch of them in the area. And then you found the fucking nearest IHOP. And then you looked into how DoorDash worked for that. And then you fucking called the nurse and yelled at her. Yeah. <laughs> to make her agree to let me have waffles or pancakes. I don't want you sad and hungry, okay? <laughs> <laughs> this is my best friend, you know? Like guys, you want, get yourself a Melanie. You want pancakes? I'm going to get you fucking pancakes. Didn't, I'm it didn't work out, sorry. but <laughs> it I did get waffles though after. Yes. Um get yourselves a Melanie. You can't have mine. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, I love oh, you. She's so much. the other half of my soul, and you can't have her. Oh, I love you. I love you too. I love you too. We so we much. will we will be doing a three a.m. Waffle House visit together. Oh, we have to. We have to. <laughs> it's our thing now. Oh God. Oh, uh, and that was when I did end up going. It was very very surreal. Yeah. Very surreal, by the way. <laughs> and they gave me a lot of orange juice, like an abnormal amount of orange juice. And I gave them an abnormally huge tip because of all the orange juice. The orange juice is so good there, right? It was good, but they're not supposed to do free refills. Well, they're, that's not how it works with orange juice. That's never how it works with orange juice. But she was keeping the orange juice flowing, and I was very thirsty. <laughs> the, the universe wanted you to have that orange juice. Yes. And now I am very thirsty again unbearably thirsty because my stupid body thinks it needs to be making milk (laughs) so i can't stop drinking now (laughs) thankfully regular drinks i have not turned to the bottle thus far (laughs) right oh my gosh oh so so shall we i mean what the fuck else is there to say what the fuck else is there to say uh, Should we keep with the food theme? I guess. Of course, of course. I mean, the the criteria is completely changed now. But, uh, All right, you ready? I'm ready for your hot takes. I have so many hot takes, hot cakes, you name it. <laughs> these look really good. One of these I know is good. Okay. Don't let me down. So it's just because you think it's good doesn't fucking mean it is. It's real fucking good. It's the horseshoe sandwich. Horseshoe sandwich. Okay. Versus never heard of it. Versus the Kentucky Hot Brown. I don't know what either of them are. Do you want to tell me or should I look it up? Okay, so they're both open face sandwiches. Um, the horseshoe okay. sandwich um, originated in Springfield, Illinois, and it consists of thick sliced toasted bread, a hamburger patty, French fries, and cheese sauce. What? So it looks like a like- burger nachos. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna also look it up. I need. I need a visual. And that one's the horseshoe sandwich. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then the hot brown, it originated at the Brown Hotel in Kentucky. It's so good. If you could ever get one at the actual Brown Hotel, I'm telling you, it is so good. And it has, it's an open face sandwich too. It has usually like ham or turkey. It's got bacon and like a Mornay sauce on top. Hmm. It's like if Eggs Benedict was a sandwich. Almost. I'm looking at both of them. I mean, neither one looks bad, but I do have to go with a horseshoe sandwich because I would eat that right now. Damn it, Brienne. <laughs> I I don't I would definitely try the other one, but I'm I'm just not sure. 
You know what? The horseshoe sandwich just looks so good right it now. It does look really good. <laughs> we're recording in the morning, too, which we never do. So we're like, it's rolling up on lunchtime here soon. Yeah. My tummy's going to start grumbling. Uh-oh. We better get going. All right. Horseshoe sandwich it is, then. Horseshoe sandwich it is. Is this episode going to make me hungry? Um, <laughs> quite the opposite. <laughs> Quite the opposite. Okay, so hold on. I'm going to check on the babies and then we'll dive in. All right. Boomers, Gen X, and geriatric millennials. This one is for you. Uh-oh. You're sitting on your couch and you're flipping through the pages of the Reader's Digest. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, you come across something terrifying. Your whole life, you had only one irrational fear. Quicksand. But now you are presented with an even more terrifying end. Spontaneous human combustion. Hell yeah. It's a picture burned into your brain. A woman (laughs) sitting in a charred armchair and only her unburned legs remain. Have you seen this photo? I don't think I have. I've seen lots of related photos, but I'm not sure that I've seen that one. Yeah, you could just Google spontaneous human combustion, hit images, and it's just all these chairs and like a leg here, legs there. Okay, I'm doing it. Do it. I normally wouldn't tell someone to go look at like photos like this, but. Yes, you would. uh, Probably, but they're not as bad as it wouldn't be like, you know, a decapitation or something like that. I know it's. it's, The leg one's pretty rough, though. (laughs) Weird, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Go on. You, my friend, are not alone in this fear. This phenomenon was first introduced in the 1600s, and ever since, it has been on the pages of newspapers and magazines for hundreds of years. In a letter from A. Desmarest to the editor of the New York Daily Advertising on June 8, 1805, he pleads for spontaneous human combustion to be taken more seriously. He had received several newspapers from France And since the yellow fever was ramping up in the United States, he was curious to know if the phenomenon had anything to do with the epidemic, which I thought that was really interesting, you know, because we're at that time. It's like you just don't what's causing yellow fever. Yeah. Here's a copy of the article that A. Desmarais was so shaken up by. It is written by Dr. Lamarie, who, when he heard about a case of spontaneous human combustion, decided to go check it out himself because the 1800s were fucking wild. And you could just (laughs) insert yourself into these investigations as you pleased. Quote, I will content myself by stating facts such as they appeared in my eyes. On Wednesday, third, and I think it's pronounced Navos, it's basically the fourth month of the French Republican calendar, which was from December 21st to January 19th. So he visits. Towards noon, having heard that a woman had been found almost entirely reduced to cinder, although she had no fire in her chamber, but what she had was kindled in an earthen pot. The woman, Boyer, was 68 years old and was so fat that she weighed more than 200 pounds, which is rude as fuck. Okay, that's not that fat. (laughs) Right. At all. You will find that, I mean, they were saying women that are like 150 pounds were fat in some of these newspaper articles. So just let's ignore these people, okay? Okay. And according to the greatest number of persons I've questioned, was very much given to drink. 
So she liked to hit the bottle a little bit. He goes on to say he talked to the neighbors. Nothing seemed amiss until a servant had found the charred remains of Boyer at three in the morning. So he asked his servant for a tour. Having entered with him into the chamber of the woman, which contained two beds and was encumbered by movables, I remarked with surprise that, with the exception of a little table and a commode, none of the articles were damaged by fire. Even the commode was almost entirely preserved. And I read this a couple of times. I First, I thought this poor lady like actually died on a toilet. <laughs> she didn't. Apparently, in old-timey France, a commode was like a chest of drawers. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. I wonder when it made the switch to the potty. I don't know. Quote, the remains of the body presented only the pelvis and the right inferior extremity. I saw nothing that could belong to the head, to the anterior extremities, to the superior part of the trunk, or to the left inferior extremity. In the end, it could be ascertained that Boyle's death was most certainly could be, quote, a very remarkable case of human combustion. Also, A. Desmarais signed this letter off with, uh, quote, I have the honor to flute you. What the fuck does oh. that mean? <laughs> I mean, I know what it makes me think, but I don't think that's it. I, the only, I tried looking it up and there's like highfalutin, but just flute. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm just going to shut up. <laughs> I'm just going to shut up. Spontaneous human combustion, especially in the Victorian age, quickly turned into a cautionary tale. Like Boyle, it appeared that many victims of SHC, which I'll call it sometimes just so I'm not doing a mouthful, they were boozers with an inferno that just seemed to come from the gut with no source of ignition. Newspapers didn't hesitate to report the gruesome cases, putting on full display the victims' excessive drinking habits. In 1819, one newspaper wrote, quote, On Monday night, a woman at Paris, who was in the habit of drinking brandy to excess, was found by her hand on his return home at the point of death. She died almost immediately and on examination was found to be much burnt, although there was either fire nor candle in the apartment. Another French woman in 1822 died in, quote, the most deplorable and astonishing manner. This woman, who was corpulent, was, according to report, in the habit of using spiritous liquors imprudently. She was burnt to a cinder inwardly. The extremities were not affected. The room and her clothing were also escaped the fire. Again, in New Hampshire in 1828, quote, one John Hitchell, a carpenter, a great drunkard, having ended his day's work, came home and went to bed. His wife found him dead before the morning by her side. He felt so extremely hot that it was impossible to touch him. There was no outward appearance of fire about him, but only a kind of smoke and glowing heat ascending from his body until it was quite consumed to ashes, except only a small pieces of his bones, which some of the sad beholders cast into a pit made near the place. Imagine that's, just waking that's up. weird of them to do. It is weird. Don't don't just get people's bones and throw them in a pit. No. That's weird. We're going to revisit bones and pits in this. Okay. Surprisingly. That's what I love to hear. <laughs> Spontaneous human combustion was even afforded its own chapter in the 1928 book, Anatomy of Drunkenness by Robert oh. McNish. Oh, my. Okay. It, it covers some of the more infamous cases of SHC, including that of Italian priest Don Gio Maria Berthols, who, after surviving four days after combustion, finally passed away. Quote, the body already exhaled an insufferable odor, 
Worms crawled from it out of the bed, and the nails had become detached from the left hand. Oh, good Lord. Mm -hmm. With a temperous movement in full swing, a social movement against the consumption of alcoholic beverages, followers promoted complete abstinence and co-opted the spontaneous human combustion for its cause. You drink, you're probably going to catch on fire from the inside out. Basically, a literal hell in your belly. Mm. But doctors... They just weren't convinced by alcohol's role in SHC, so they did the next logical thing. They soaked a rat in alcohol for a year, and then they set it on fire. The skin of the rat burned quickly, but its guts were basically unaffected. But just to be sure, they kept soaking and lighting rats on fires, all with similar results. Hmm. 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 You doing okay? Yes. Am I being too gross? No, I like it. Please be gross. (laughs) Public interest in spontaneous human combustion was reignited again when the Cinder Woman case and a photo of just a leg in ash made headlines internationally in 1951. 67-year-old Mary Reeser was feeling bummed. She missed her friends in Pennsylvania where she had lived before moving closer to be with her son and his family. The widow wanted to travel from her home in St. Petersburg, Florida, up north for the summer, but she hadn't heard from her friends, and it seemed like her plans were going to fall through. Mary's son, Dr. Richard Reese, could tell that there was something wrong with his mom, so he went up to her apartment to check on her. She told Richard that she had taken two Celcon tablets, presumably to sleep, but hadn't eaten dinner. Mary considered taking two more before bed that night. She was super sad. After getting his mom sorted, Richard went home himself. The next morning, good news. A Western Union telegram for Mary had arrived, letting her know that all the arrangements had been made for her travel up north. Mary's landlady, Pansy Carpenter, signed... Oh, what a name! Pansy Carpenter. Isn't that cute? Yeah. Pansy Carpenter signed for the message and went to the apartment to deliver it to Mary. But... When she reached for the doorknob to Mary's place, it was too hot to handle. When police arrived, the scene in Mary's apartment raised more questions than answers. Quote, a shrunken skull, a fragment of a backbone, and part of one foot in a black satin slipper were found beside a charred, overstuffed chair in the prosperous widow's living room. The rest of the items in Mary's home was virtually untouched by the flames. Stacks of newspapers close to her body escaped the fire. A clock on a nearby table had stopped at 4.20. The electrical... (laughs) (laughs) I did it too. (laughs) God, why are we so immature? I don't know. It's funny, though. I mean, of all the numbers, right? Yeah. The electrical outlet it was plugged into was slightly melted. (laughs) I guess you could say she was blazing. Oh, there you go. All of our sensitive victims reviews. Fuck. <laughs> Sorry. But investigators unplugged the clock and plugged it into a different source, and it began to work again. Mary's bedsheets were still white despite the fire inside of the apartment. Firemen and policemen were so stumped on the cause, they actually asked and looked into theories from amateur detectives. You know it's bad when that happened. Mm-hmm. Then they, you know, decided to reach out to the FBI. You know, those guys. Those guys. Uh Uh-huh. It wasn't long before spontaneous human combustion sensationalized the Cinder Woman case. Coroner Ed Silk filled out Mary's death certificate as, quote, death by fire from undetermined cause. 
A year after the fire took Mary Reeser's life, the case was still open. Police Chief J.R. Reichert said, quote, As far as the logical explanations go, this is one of those things that just couldn't have happened, but it did. The case is not closed and may never be to the satisfaction of all concerned. Despite Mary having all the telltale signs of human combustion, little damage to the surrounding area, bones incinerated to ash, legs left untouched, there did seem to be a reasonable explanation according to the FBI. It's called the wick effect, which essentially makes a person into a human candle. Uh So I went down that rabbit hole again and holy fuck, I definitely want to do an episode on the human fat trade uh, because that's a thing. The human fat trade? The human fat trade. What? Yes. Because I I wanted to look up because I remember in the Mississauga episode where there was that lady that was making the serial killer that was making soap out of people. Yeah. And then so I thought about that. And then I was like, did people make candles out of people? What the fuck? I don't know. There's a lot of weird stuff with human fat. I think it needs to be looked into. Back to the wick effect. Quote, the clothed human body acts like an inside out candle. So Mary was wearing a like highly flammable nightgown and housecoat at the time of her death. Her clothes in this tragedy would serve as the wit. Quote, as the body burned, the melting fat seeped into the clothing and the long chains of hydrocarbons that make up the human fat provided the energy to consume the body locally without damaging much of the surroundings. Eventually, the candle burns out. So you run out of fat, you run out of candle essentially mary was on sleeping pills which could account for the fact that she remained seated in her chair the ignition some strong ass sleeping right the ignition most likely a cigarette her daughter-in-law shared quote mary was a great smoker the cigarette dropped to her lap her fat was the fuel that kept her burning the floor was cement and the chair was by itself there was nothing around her to burn which I don't know if I want my daughter-in-law giving quotes like that, but <laughs> you know what I mean. But my mother-in-law's name is Mary. Yeah. Oh, and I'm gonna, no. I'm gonna give quotes like that, even if it's not at all true. We're just gonna make up. <laughs> Mary was a great smoker. <laughs> oh, daughter-in-law goals. <laughs> but. Not everyone was convinced, including Wilton Marion Krogman, who said, quote, I regard it as the most amazing thing I've ever seen. As I review it, the short hairs on my neck bristle with vague fear. Were I living in the Middle Ages, I'd mutter something about black magic. Eh, yeah, it was creepy. And Wilton yeah. isn't some dum-dum who usually frequented the site of skepticism. Wilton was an anthropologist from the University of Pennsylvania and was incredibly admired for his work. Wilton penned the article, A Guide to Identification of the Human Skeletal Material, for the FBI newspaper in 1939, which is widely considered the mark of the beginning of forensic anthropology in the United States. Wow. So he's super smart, you know? Yeah. He also became famously known as the Bone Doctor. Yeah. I think I've heard of him. Maybe. I think I may have read a book by or about him, but I'm not 100% sure. The scene in Mary's apartment made no sense to him at all. Her skull should have exploded with the heat, not shrink. Quote, I cannot conceive of such a complete cremation without more burning in the apartment. 
As time passed, the public, even with the compelling wick theory, seemed to hang on to the mysteries of spontaneous human combustion. In 1998, BBC's science documentary show called QED took on spontaneous human combustion and brought in famed fire experts to tackle it head on. One of those experts, Dr. John DeHaan of the California Criminalistic Institute. So I mentioned this a little bit before, so briefly for the sake of rabbit holes again. (laughs) Dr. John DeHaan is also the fire expert in making a murderer case. Oh, wow. He's the one that reported okay. that he believed Teresa Halbach's body was burned elsewhere and her bones were planted in Stephen Avery's burn pit. Oh, wow. What a connection. Mm-hmm. Okay. So back to spontaneous human combustion. Dr. John DeHaan went on to prove the wick theory. The researchers used the body of a dead pig because it closely resembled a human's fat content. Wrapping the pig in a blanket, not the yummy kind, It was then doused with a little bit of gas and lit on fire. Quote, after five hours of continuous burning, the bones were being destroyed, Dr. Han said. This sort of damage here is exactly the same that is supposed to come from spontaneous human combustion. Again, some remain unconvinced. Jackie Roshner writes for the doctor's review, quote, the end result was a corpse similar to SHC remains, but that was only after several hours of smoldering. Other attempts to replicate the wick effect in pigs, however, have failed. Plus, some alleged SHC victims have burned in far less time than the hours of the smoldering required to turn the pig to powder. The wick theory doesn't explain a fire that can turn bone to ash and then burn out before causing widespread damage. After all, cremating a human body takes about two hours at a thousand degrees Celsius. Holy shit. Just because it hasn't been explained itself doesn't mean that SHC hasn't been used as an explanation for death in the 21st century. In 2011, the first, quote, Irish case of death by spontaneous combustion made headlines. The coroner, Dr. Sirian McLaughlin, said, quote, the fire was thoroughly investigated, and I'm left with a conclusion that this fits into the category of spontaneous human combustion, for which there is no adequate explanation. Holy shit. 76-year-old Michael Faraday. <laughs> I don't think that's how you say it. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's F A H. E-R-T-Y. Fahurdy. Fahurdy. Sure. Yeah. 76-year-old Michael died at his home in Galway, Ireland on December 22nd, 2010, in what has been recorded as spontaneous human combustion. While there was a fire burning in his fireplace, he was found lying on his back in the living room, but the only damage done was to his body, the ceiling above and the floor underneath of him. In an autopsy performed... It showed Michael suffered from type 2 diabetes and hypertension, but concluded that he did not die as heart failure um, from the result of that. After Michael's death, British biologist Brian J. Ford set out again with the case for spontaneous human combustion. At a glance, at least for me, it doesn't seem so far-fetched. Um, also, I'm not a scientist. I just eat gross shit for fun. <laughs> In August of 2012, Brian told the New Scientist magazine that he had done some experience. He found that a buildup of acetone in the body, which can result from alcoholism, diabetes, and a specific Mm -hmm. kind of diet, 
can in fact lead to spontaneous combustion. These are all things present in most spontaneous human combustion cases. When I found this, I was like, fuck yeah, science, go Brian. And then it went a little sideways for me. The last big conversation about spontaneous human combustion was in 2019 with the British tabloid called The Sun. So if you're my sweet summer scientist, if you want to be taken seriously, you can't, you know what I mean? You can't go to the sun. My sweet summer scientist. Yeah, no, you can't. They're not going to take you seriously at all. It's like the royals and human combustion. No. Yeah. Quote, I experimented with scale model human beings. Weird. Using pig flesh that had been marinated in acetone. They burned like incendiary bombs. Humans suddenly burst into searing hot flame. Left alone, their bodies burned fiercely until little but hot ash remains, though the hands and legs may remain unscathed. There are many pain receptors in the skin, so the sensation would be agonizing in the extreme, though I'd guess that an unconsciousness would follow quickly. Alcoholism was traditionally thought of as a risk factor, but this isn't plausible. Fatty flesh, even when soaked in alcohol, does not burn. However, when a person is ill, they sometimes naturally produce traces of acetone in the body, and acetone is highly inflammable. Alcohol- it's nail polish remover, mm-hmm. isn't it? Basically? Yeah. Okay. Alcoholism can cause people to produce acetone, as can many diseases. My conclusion is that an unwell individual produces high level of acetone, which accumulates in the fatty tissues and can be ignited, perhaps by a static spark or a cigarette. Mm. And that is a curious case of spontaneous human combustion. Dude, that was crazy. Right? Do you believe in it? I know most of the Mm -hmm. science, like, leans towards no. Like, they're... But it's the... But what's happening? Like, what... Well, they all, I mean, something, it's the ignition source, you know, and they're like, well, it got too hot and it burned up. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I, 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 I believe something. I don't think that we probably have a complete and accurate explanation of whatever it actually is yet. Right. And then there's the argument, too, where it's like, well, it would happen more often. I don't necessarily think so. I mean, there are rare things that happen yeah. in this world. Because there's been about I, 200 I, cases. I, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I would say that I believe it, but with a lot of asterisks. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of we probably don't understand it yet. Yeah. I'm sorry. I sound so froggy. I got intubated and my voice has not recovered yet. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's It was weird. I've been wanting yeah. to do this one for a while. I, it's such a Melanie episode. Mm-hmm. I love it. Good. I don't think I realized that it had happened so recently. I thought that it really just all happened like in super old time. Old time. Times. Yeah. 2011. Yeah. 10 years ago. That's crazy. Crazy. I don't know. Jesus fucking Christ. Right? Yeah. You want to do some disaster relief? I think we need it. Yes, we do. (laughs) Oh, you want to go first or you want me to go first? I mean, I was going to just skip it. Fuck it. Let's skip it. No, I'm not skipping it. I'm going to go with labor and delivery nurses. Yeah. They're angels on earth. They are angels on earth. They were so good for you, huh? 
Yeah, they they held my hand and they gave me pain medicine. <laughs> and um, one of them spent an entire day fighting the issue of not being able to take him with us. I mean, they just they they give you your spray bottle for yourself right? <laughs> and they they go to the bathroom with you and they're so nice about it. There's that thing where you're in a bathroom and it's a oh god it's awful <laughs> and everything is everywhere and there's like a nurse squatting on the floor in front of you yeah. <laughs> and you're like you this could be so awkward but you make it so not yeah and man a good labor and delivery nurse there's there's nothing quite like one. they're heaven oh. set for sure yeah there is nothing like a good labor and delivery nurse i've never personally encountered a bad one i had three different ones over the course of this and i think i had two different ones over the course of things with adelaide and they've all been precious angels some more than others yeah but all precious angels all precious angels <laughs> yes what's yours pancakes i'm gonna get you pancakes. some fucking pancakes <laughs> i swear I'm, I'm going to it's gonna have pancakes waffles I'm going to fill up a bathtub with pancakes and syrup. That sounds horrible, though. There's like there's hair in there. Yeah, I guess that's gross. Don't do that. We're Maybe like an unused kiddie pool? Yes! <laughs> and we're just going to sit in like little lounge chairs with mimosas, and we're going to eat <laughs> fucking pancakes out of a kiddie pool. And it's God, good. I want a mimosa so bad. We're going to get a pitcher of melted butter that we just... All over top of it, it's going to be amazing. And I cannot wait to eat pancakes with you. I can't wait to eat pancakes with you. God bless it. God bless it. We do have some Patreon shout outs today before um, I say everybody's name. We are going to drop um, my MS Estonia episode this week. We are also going to do our bucket list. So even though we are taking off the rest of December, um, we're going to drop what there we promised. Be, yeah. yeah. There will be Patreon content coming your way in the next couple days. Yeah. Just so be patient with us. We're working it out. Yes. I really love this group of Patreons today. I don't know if they got in touch with each other, but it's very, the names just feel celestial or magical or something. Okay. Like all like of it. them. I don't know. So before we get into that, I want to thank Donica Buchanan Wollaston. You know, I always struggle with your name for upgrading your subscription. We really appreciate it. It helps out so Hold much. On. Did you say her name right? What did you say? Donica. Okay. I thought you said Danica, but I've. I said Danica last time, but it is okay. Danica. Okay. <laughs> All right. You ready for our buddies? Yes. <laughs> These are um, the coolest names. So we're going to go Emily Regal and Heather Powers. Nice. Emily and Heather. That That's cool girls at school names. Yes. And then we are going to go. And Regal and Powers. Man. You guys are a dream team. Go, they're gonna like start their own kingdom. Yeah, I love this one. I, I stand it. Danielle L. Luna, who beautiful made her own tier. I think. Okay, so about that, I do think we have to send her news. <laughs> We've been unclear about what an invented tier would be. She's not at the. I think it's the twenty three dollar level where she gets to see your butthole. But, but she's, I mean, she's I do over think she the gets 10. tits at least. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so yeah, let us know what you need. I mean, yeah, let us know what you're into. <laughs> we'll do our best. <laughs> so Danielle L. Luna and Sterling Z. That is such a name. Oh my God, the names. Aren't they amazing? <laughs> yes. The names are so fucking cool this week. <laughs> I actually really love this girl. We've um, chit-chatted on Instagram a lot. Um, Stephanie Zepatello. Cool. Very cool. Your buddy is Abby Weaver. Dream Weaver. <laughs> and you get a bonus song from Melanie. Yes. Aren't those names just so magical? Yes. Yes. I fucking love this group of shout outs. I'm obsessed with the name Sterling just in general. Yes. That that fucking car. That needs to be a more common name. Yes. So go donate. Go donate blood. Something. Go donate canned goods. Go donate. Do not donate your jar of scabs. Do please. not. Go donate your time. There were some pretty horrific tornadoes. Our thoughts are with you. If you guys can help out anyway, please, 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 please do. So sad. Yes. Yes, it is very sad. We will have Patreon content coming your way um, this I would week. I say by the end. But yeah, by the end of the week. By the end of the week. And yeah, uh, it is Tuesday right now. We're planning to record on Wednesday. Probably take a day or two to edit. And then by the weekend. We'll yeah. Yeah. We'll have it for you. Yep. And then for everyone else, we will be back at the beginning of the year. We are going to take some much needed time off. Yes. We're going to take two weeks and um, not breastfeeding and crying. Yeah. Um, leaking and crying, leaking though. And you crying. know, that's something. Leaking and crying. <laughs> leaking and crying. Oh, I love you so the much. Depressed first cousin of breastfeeding and crying. Yeah. So thank you, Brianne, uh, for sharing your journey with everyone. I know it's not easy, but I love you. I, I, I love how open and honest you are. And I'm very fucking sorry that you're going through this. Thank you. And thank you for being here for me. I I just, I don't know. I have just been so floored by everyone. Because when I went to the doctor's appointment initially that got me sent to labor and delivery, I was supposed to have Adelaide with me. But my other bestie had dropped by unexpectedly with food and craft kits to distract Adelaide and said, you know, I'm just going to take her so you don't have to take her to the appointment. You know, my husband had to call her and say, well, by the way, <laughs> she can't pick the kid up. And then, you know, my mother-in-law drove up and picked her up and then drove her down to my mom who kept her while I was in the hospital. I mean, just ever like I didn't even have to think about anything. You know, everybody was incredible. Everybody should get themselves a Melanie. Aww. Everyone should mine. get themselves a Brianne. Oh, I don't know that that they should right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that um, this is the best edition or the best series. I think maybe you not sit it out till the next one. <laughs> maybe not the best edition, but still completely worth it. Oh, shut up! I'm not going to cry anymore. Okay, well, get out of here. Sweet dreams or no dreams. Sweet dreams or no dreams. <laughs> Hey, Horrible Ghouls. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to share your personal MarkSafe moment, you can send it to us at MarkSafePodcast at gmail.com. Please give our podcast a rate, review, and subscribe, and tell your buddies about us too. That goes a long way. If you want to further elevate your support, check out our MarkSafe Patreon page, where we have shoutouts, goodies, and some bonus content in the works. 
You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again, and as always, stay safe.